Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. Today's message is that new beliefs beat New Year's resolutions. It's that time where we all talk about resolutions, the changes. It's a new year, new you, new, new, new. Let's, let's focus on the right new things. Because if past events are any predictor of future results, your New Year's resolution is gone by about the 15th of the month. You'll let your gym membership charge you maybe about two months after that, and then you'll cancel that too. Right? Because this week coming up is like the worst week to go to the gym. Because everybody's there. Clueless, but there. And we, we have this like momentum that somehow if I'm just a little more self-disciplined, I will do all the things that I want to do. But the reality is you act like who you think you are. <clears throat> and your beliefs are actually what drives your behavior. So instead of trying to modify your behavior, what if we started with really looking at what, are, what do I believe? What do I believe about me? What do I believe about God? You know, there's a lot of uh, psychological theories on uh, how we seek out pleasure and try to avoid pain. And so if you just stay at the behavior modification program, which if we're honest, that's where a lot of our Christian effort is put. If I could just behave better. But here's the thing. There's some really good, well-behaving people that don't know Jesus. Like, that's, that should, good fruit, good behavior should be a natural result of knowing Jesus. But you can just muster up some self-discipline at times and do good. That's not what brings us into the kingdom. That's not kingdom life. That's actually staying on the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You just move from the evil branch to the good branch, but you're still on the dead tree. Right? You want to move to the tree of life, where out of life, it just flows. You don't try to be good. It's just part of who you are. Because you believe things that are true. And so today, we want to talk about what do you believe? Because new beliefs correct beliefs, believing the truth, which will set you free, is the way to live a successful life or have a successful 2022. You know, it's interesting. In Hebrews 12, 2, it says, for the joy set before Jesus, he endured the cross, scorning the shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. He had a clear vision that was joy producing that allowed him to endure hard things. And so some of you have come through 2021 and you have suffered through hard things. But the question is, was there a joy set before you? Was there a vision that allows you to go, this stuff stinks. This is hard. You know, and it can be from loss of loved ones to loss of pets. We lost our dog this year. And, you know, it's, it's sad. But 
you know, there's, there's a vision that carries you beyond the losses in this natural realm. People have lost jobs. People have lost homes. There's like, but the thing is, the, the, what happens in the natural does not define your identity. Your identity defines your response to what happens in the natural. So what is the joy set before you? I'd propose that if you focused on your beliefs in 2022, that would produce a more thorough and lasting change in your behavior than trying a modification program. Right? That's why diets, we struggle with them because it's a behavior that we're trying to control rather than an identity. What does a healthy person do? Right? If you think about what do I believe about me and my health? Because a healthy person might skip Golden Corral and go run. Right? There's things, because that's who they are, those are the choices that they make. And so I would propose that we should evaluate ourselves in this year and go, who do I think I am? Who does God say I am? And who do I, what do I think about God and, and my beliefs about God? Because that affects how I interact with him. And if I believe a lie about God and his nature, it's going to affect how I connect with him. And even though it's not true about him, it becomes the reality that I end up living. Right? You learn a lot about what people believe by watching what they do. You know, it's curious. The Bible tells us that Jesus sat in the temple and just watched everybody giving. I mean, think about that for a second. He's like, hmm, what you doing? I mean, that's where he saw the widow give everything, right? Her, her couple coins was all she had. But he saw the behavior, her giving all, was a reflection of her belief that God's going to take care of me. And that this sowing of the seed was, this is all I can do. But my belief is that God will see this and reward this. And so he was looking at that compared to all the folks that are like throwing a 10 spot in the offering and moving on. Whether God shows up or not is irrelevant because They've already made their plan. And so, God, I, I really hope you show up, but it's not make or break for me. But how many of us realize, like, we should live our lives like if God doesn't show up, it's a break. Like, how do, how do, but, but that has to come out of the belief that God is faithful and that God sees you and that he loves you. Because if you don't believe that, you're not going to go chips all in. You know, the woman with the issue of blood, she had such a belief that God, that Jesus would heal her. She's like, if I just touch the, the corner of his garment, despite the social norms, despite the, 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 the religious rules, if I just do this, I'm going to connect with God and I'm going to see a breakthrough happen. She pushed past that and Jesus is like, whoa, you know, what happened? Like someone touched me and they're like, you're in a crowd, bro. Like everybody's jostling you. But he was like, no, I, I felt someone's belief manifest in a, in a physical act that unlocked kingdom power. What is it that you need to do this year? 
What is it for you that is pushing past the social norms in your life to go, Jesus, I've got to grab a hold of this? We've got to have that. You know, the rich young ruler, this was another time Jesus is like, hmm, what do you believe? So he asks them and, you know, well, I've, I've done all these good things. Oh, that's good. Sell all you got. Why? It's not about selling all your money. It's the fact that he put money in a, such a high position in his life that he couldn't imagine that God would work with him if he gave it all away. And so he left sad. But it, it wasn't the behavior that was the problem. It wasn't the money that was the problem. It was the belief that his money was his savior. Right? And so then the, the disciples' response is, well, Jesus, if the rich dude can't get saved, what about us? We gave up everything for you. And he goes, you'll get family and homes in this life and in the next. And they're kind of like, oh, okay. Like, those are things, they just, they tuck it away. But it was a belief. Did they believe that God, if they gave up family to follow Jesus, that they would find a new family within the community that he was in? Homes, whatever it is, what do you believe? You know, we have a lot of Christians in the church that are afraid of, of wealth, mostly because of that rich young ruler story. But here's the thing, you're conflicted. Like, I don't, you know, and we sometimes have verses like, you know, the wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous. Yes, that's going to be me, <laughs> right? But then we're like, I don't want to be too wealthy because they're all wicked. I made a judgment about the wicked people that are wealthy. And then you go, well, Lord, I'd like you to bless me, but not quite as much as that. But I would like like more than I. And, and it, it, now you're in James and you're double minded and you're flip flopped and you don't know what you want. Because you're like, well, Lord, I would like actually to have like a new car, but I don't. <laughs> like they're kind of like twitchy, like I, I, but not like a really nice car, but like a nice like, you know. I want a GMC, not a Cadillac, you know. Like, we have, like, these rankings in our head. And we get all, like, wonky about it. And you go, you know what's really sad? A poor prince. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. But that's where we are. A lot of us, are. we don't, we don't have a consistent, congruent belief because we're afraid of a health, wealth, prosperity gospel that when Jesus says, I've come to give you life and life abundant. I don't know, like that seems to include both of those things, but it's not the priority, right? It's a natural result of being a good steward. If you're faithful, Jesus said, he's telling the story of the minas. Like if you steward this little bit, you get cities. I know very few Christians that have a grid for stewarding cities, but we pray for Tampa here. But I'll tell you, a lot of times, I, I almost don't want a Christian as a mayor of Tampa. Because outside, once we get abortion taken care of, there's no clue, like, what to do for the city. I'm like, I, I'm all for getting rid of abortion. But, like, what's your vision for Tampa? Like, what does it mean to have righteousness reign in our city? We need, like, jobs. Jobs. Like, what is, how, how Christian is that? Listen. Adam had an assignment. Steward the garden, grow it. Like, work happened before the fall. It just got harder afterward. 
But because we have a belief that somehow I'm just going to be floating on a cloud strumming a harp. At the end, that's like the end goal. One, it's not that compelling to make any change here. And two, so the belief, that what we believe, and even these erroneous beliefs, creates a behavior that Christians are apathetic in their community. When we should be the most active, we should have the best companies. If you have a company here, you should be connected. You should be going to activate. You should be going, God, how do I grow this? How do I steward this? Because Jesus said, the one who serves more is blessed. It's more blessed to give. It's more blessed to serve. And if you serve a lot of people, how many of you here buy stuff from Amazon? Raise your hand. See, Bezos is serving all y'all. That's how he's got a lot of money. Like, the more you serve, the more opportunity to influence you have, the more wealth you'll create, and the more lives you'll change, because how many people work for Amazon now? Every employee is someone that that company touched. And what would happen if we had Christian companies that were employing thousands of people? Like, we have to sort of, like, think bigger. We have to go beyond, like, me and my three. Today's core verse is from John 6, 29. And to set this up, this is where Jesus had just fed 5,000, just walked on water, and when he got in the boat, the boat instantaneously hit the shore. Like, you go from the middle of the lake, blink, like magic, like portal, step through, time bending, like whatever you want to call it. I mean, read your Bible. It says he got in the boat, and immediately the boat was on the shore. Wild stuff. So everybody, like, starts chasing Jesus, and they're like, you know, what do we do? And so they come, and so Jesus answers them, because they're like, hey, feed us again. I like the little bread and fish, like fish tacos with Jesus is awesome, <laughs> right? And he answers them. He says, very truly, I tell you, you're looking for me, not because you saw the signs I perform, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life which the Son of Man will give you, for on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked them, what must we do to do the works God requires? Let me ask you, that is the common question, right? What do I have to do? What do I have to do? Jesus answered, the work of God is this. You want to work for God? It's this. Believe in the one he has sent. Oh, that doesn't sound very hard. Like, how do I, I don't, how do I put my shoulder into that? But let me, let me propose to you that that's actually much harder than you think. And it takes work to go, does my belief in Jesus affect my finances? Does my belief in Jesus affect my health? Does my belief in Jesus affect how I, can, how I deal with my family? Those in-laws, that crazy uncle. Does my belief in Jesus affect these things? Because the kingdom of God is at hand, and it should be manifesting through us. Caleb did a message on, uh, about how we were gates, and the, the lift up uh, your head, all ye gates, and coming out of, out of Psalms. But here's another way I think about it, because I like Marvel movies. I'm like, you're a portal. A gate is an entrance to a city. But you are a connection. You are the gate between the earth and heaven because you are seated in heavenly places with Jesus. So you are bilocational in, in reality. But we only go, well, I'm just in the natural. 
No, no, you got one foot here, and the Bible tells us you've got another foot seated with Jesus, and so you are the one to pull from heaven to earth. That's why activate and these sort of things are so important, because you need to hear with your spiritual ears so that you can speak into the natural what is true. The truth will set you free. You know, it's funny, in, in that story, after he tells them, you know, this is the work, believe, he goes on to say, and guess what, guys? Your next step is to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And everybody went, now things just got weird. Right? And he lost a ton of followers. This was the not seeker-friendly part of Jesus. Like, <laughs> he was just like, you know, hey, think on this. And everybody's like, I don't have a grid for that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the Old Testament specifically talks about cannibalism, and it's a no-no. <laughs> right? And, uh, but it's one of those things. Sometimes Jesus will say something to you that you have to sit with for a while, and then he explains it later. You know, in school, they teach you stuff, and then they give you a test. Jesus gives you a test and then asks you what you learned. And he's like, hey, eat my flesh, drink my blood. And everybody's like, hmm. Um. And a lot of people left. They didn't stay to figure out, well, Jesus, what, what do you mean by that? Well, he was talking about communion coming up and that we would have a prophetic way to connect with the healing and the identity and the propitiation of sin and everything that it was spiritual that we prophetically take in the natural through communion to do that. And so there's part that we go, all right, sometimes Jesus will say something and we're like, I got to wrestle with that. Good. Truth is often held in tension and we've got to figure out what is what does this look like? Like my body is is decaying. I've got, you know, maybe there's genetic issues, something in your blood, and he's going like, listen, I'm here for the healing of that. And you go, oh, I don't know, how does that work? Well, there's some of the, the, the mystical element of the kingdom advancing comes through our belief, our faith. Right, so what do you believe about God? 1 John 1.5 says, God is light. In him, is, there is no darkness at all. But when you think about God, do you, does, does that make sense? Is, do you go, I believe that God is light. There's no darkness. There's nothing evil. Because a lot of our assumptions, I mean, even in, in the insurance industry, they call it acts of God. Hurricanes, tornadoes, floods, those are all acts of God. So our vocabulary says that we think that this is like God's wrath and judgment. But the Bible says that there is no darkness, that God is for us, that creation's groaning for the revelation of sons and daughters of the king. And so we, we kind of have to wrestle with going, is, is what I've been taught even about the Old Testament, actually true. Because when I started changing my belief about the nature of God, I started seeing more and more through the Old Testament, God is patient. Can I tell you, when you read about like all the wicked kings of Israel and you go, 
God says, but, but for their father, David. And you go, hold on. That was 400 years earlier, Father David. Like, God is remembering David, and it's going not like a couple generations down. You're going 400 years of leaders down. God's like, I'm going to be merciful to them. Like, and you start going, and God is patient because these people so went off the reservation. Like, they just, they, they're, they're one. But God's like, I'm, I'm remembering and so I'm holding back, and I'm giving you opportunities. Would you turn? Would you turn? And he goes, all right, I knew all this because this is why I'm sending my son. Because your behavior modification programs will never work. You can't ten commandments yourself into righteousness. But a lot of times we still believe that. That if, well, if I could just get that part right, then God would be pleased. No, God is pleased with Jesus, and you get to step into that. That belief shifts, because then you know what happens? You start acting like who you are. And you go, a righteous person doesn't act like that, doesn't talk like that, doesn't do that. Then I don't need to do that. It's just who I am. It's my, na it's my new nature act righteously. God is love. How about this? 2 Corinthians 9, 8 says, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. When life is hard, when your job is on this, is going sideways, do you actually believe that God's heart for you is that you would abound in all things, having everything good, so that you could be a blessing. You know, it's really hard to help a poor person if you're poor. Because you can give them encouragement, you can pray for them, you can bless them, but you can't help really solve the problem. And that's where sometimes we have to, to shift our mindset to go, how do I help you change your beliefs so that you are a powerful person? Because princes and princesses in the kingdom are powerful people. They choose things. They are not victims. And our culture is driving fear and a victim mentality. You're a victim of the past. You're a victim of whatever group you want to be a part of that has had bad things happen to you. And then it becomes a competition. Who's had more bad things happen? Instead of going, I'm going to choose to be a powerful person, and no matter what's happening in the culture, I'm going to be a victor, and I'm going to win because Jesus in me. You know, it's, it's really interesting. In the 400 years of silence, right? That's what they call the, the gap between the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, and the New Testament. 400 years of silence. Simeon got a word from God. Right? Well, the, the official position is God's not talking. But this guy got told that he wasn't going to die till he saw the Messiah. And so let me suggest to you that no matter what's happening in the big culture, you can have a personal experience with God that will change your life and that you can go, I'm not going to die till I see the Messiah. And it's not that you, he, that's what he heard. God spoke and he believed it by faith and he saw it. What is God speaking to you in faith that if you believe it, you start to see the breakthrough in your life? 
this is really, it's, it's really important because we often have theological understanding. I call it propositional thinking. I, I, I can agree with that idea. But our hearts are like, I'm not really sure that's true for me. Right? And we, we wrestle with this, especially in a, a prophetic culture where we believe in healing and, and breakthroughs and things to go, you know, I got a cold a couple of weeks ago. It settled in my chest. And it was like, I believe that God's going to heal me. And I'm also going to go get around antibiotics and <laughs> steroids because there's, there's part that my, my spiritual theological belief is one piece and I'm also stewarding what I have in the natural. What's in my hands? Part of my healing can come just through regular medicine. Your depression can be supernaturally healed, or it can require seeing medical professionals to walk you through part of that process. Like, they're not mutually exclusive, and it's not a lack of faith to steward what you have in the natural while you're still pulling from the spiritual. Because sometimes we can be so heavenly minded, we're almost no earthly good. We should be so heavenly minded that the earth starts to change to reflect what's in heaven. And so we, we walk in that tension of going, I believe God's going to heal me, but I'm also going to steward what I have. I believe God is going to bless me. But if you spend more than you make, that's not consistent with... <laughs> just being a good steward, right? And there's a part that a lot of our blessings, I think God is like, I really, really, really want to bless you, but you've not grown your character to steward the blessing. If you look, there's a lot of research on lottery winners, and most of them are broke and in a worse financial position after getting millions of dollars because it's the belief it's not the money. The money's not, money's not your problem. Can I just say this? Money's not your problem. Your beliefs about money are your problem or your solution. And so there's part that as we look at 2022, how are we going to see the kingdom advance? It's through our beliefs. How are you going to steward influence? How are you going to see people at work and call them into a greater destiny? To call the good out of them. Everybody else has told them what a no-good jerk they are. But you go, I see how you care for people. I see how you see other people that nobody else sees. And when you start calling that out, you start speaking life to people, you start grabbing a hold of what heaven says is true for that person, and you'll see their destiny change. Because it's what you believe about God and his heart for these people that you're encountering. Because if you just see people that are acting a fool and you just call out the obvious that everybody else can see, that takes no prophetic understanding. Everybody knows you're acting like a jerk. Like, thanks, so what? But it's when you can go, I see this part of you, this diamond in the rough, right? That's the hero journey that everybody wants to be on, to go, I was a nobody, I was overlooked, but then there was a guide who came and helped me move into my destiny. Every good story has that. And part of that 
you know, that's Jesus working in us. Our Holy Spirit guide. Right? Sometimes a little tongue-in-cheek, I was like, you do have a spirit guide. <laughs> it's not the New Age ones, though. Like, you have Holy Spirit to guide you, to speak to you so that you can pull the righteousness out of other people. You know, I thought it was really interesting. You know, nowhere in the Bible did Jesus tell John that he was his favorite. But John said, I am the disciple that Jesus loved. He had a belief about Jesus's love for him and it resulted on, he was the one that was like, let me put my ear on his chest at the Last Supper. Like, it was his belief that pulled and, and pulled him into his destiny as the disciple that Jesus loved. There are two other guys that were part of the close three, right? I mean, you got Peter, you got uh, James, and you got John, right? But John was like, I'm the most loved. Who says? Me. <laughs> you know, what if you started thinking that about yourself, though? I am the son or daughter that Jesus loved. I'm the disciple that he loves. And so my expectation is that the love of God is going to show up. And when everybody else is getting martyred, they'll boil me in oil and I don't cook. Yeah. Right? I mean, it, the, if you read the stories of, of the of the early church. He was the one that was just like, totally different story. And then he got to write the last, the last book because he had a belief about God's love for him. What if you believe God loved you so much that you are favored with your family, that you are favored at work, that opportunities would come your way because Jesus just loves you. This isn't the, like, Jesus loves me, this I know. Like, it, it, it goes from that childlike faith to an academic understanding. But for a lot of us, we've not gotten back to how does that work in our heart? That I have an expectation that something good is going to happen. That goodness and mercy, I saw a little meme on, I forgot to save it down, but it was like this little chicken and it was like me. And there's two tigers running behind it and it said, goodness and mercy. Right? I like the goodness and mercy are like hunting you. They are faster than you and it's coming for you. Not to eat you, but to bless you. What if, what if 2022 was the year that goodness and mercy jumped out from the behind a corner, out of the closet, like everywhere you went because you believe that Jesus loved you? that he cares about the details of your life. You know, in Hebrews eleven six 6, it says, without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and rewards those who earnestly seek him. Do you believe that God exists? I think that's most people here. That's why you're here. What am I doing at this church? Like, right? No, you believe God exists. But do you believe that he rewards those 
that earnestly seeks him. What does that mean? It, it, it starts to mess with your grid a little bit. Like, I don't know. My life doesn't look like this. Okay, let's, let's start talking about beliefs. What, what are you believing that is manifesting that fruit? And it's as simple as just going, Jesus, I think I'm believing a lie somewhere. Would you tell me the truth? And this, it's not like super hard. Like we want like, all right, I need work. I need a quest. You know, I got my kids watching the Holy Grail, the old Monty Python movie, right? <laughs> What's your quest? I need, I need this like, you know, uh, big adventure to go conquer something to prove my worth. And Jesus said, this is the work. Believe. You're like, I'd rather actually have a quest. Um, I need a dragon to go slay. I need, I need something physical first. And he goes, it doesn't work that way. It's the belief first, then the victory. It's funny, as I was uh, preparing for this message, I got an email, uh, a marketing email from Donald Miller. He's an author and is writing a book. And his new book's about, like, heroes and uh, he said, victims, so this was in the email, this is pushing, for, pushing his book. And he said, victims believe they are doomed. Other people have it much easier than they do and that they're somehow flawed. And I was like, you know, that's pretty consistent with, with what I've seen. And he said, heroes believe life is hard, but ultimately rewarding. That there's some kind of calling in their lives and that they're capable of transforming into a better version of themselves. And his conclusion was, our problem's not about self-discipline, it's about identity. And I was like, he's onto something here. It's about your identity. Who are you? And when we start going, what is a son or daughter of God like? What are the characteristics as a child of God? How do we experience more peace? Well, it starts from identity that I, I'm going to be okay. Because the worst thing you can do is kill me and I get promoted. Okay. So I, what am I afraid of? I catch the worst COVID bug and punch out. I got promoted. Like I'm not afraid. Right? Not that I'm dumb, but I'm not afraid, right? We steward ourselves well. We, 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 we take care of our health, but we don't let fear rule our lives. And that's where so much of everything that I, I see culturally is fear. And the, the challenge is wisdom often masquerade, or fear masks, masquerades as wisdom, Right? Well, if, if I just am a little more sheltered, if I just a little more protected, it says the righteous are bold as lions, right? And, and historically, when you look through at least the Western Civ, when we had big, um, like the bubonic plague and these other things, it was the Christians that actually went in and cared for people that were sick. And, and that became a, a legacy where people were like, I don't know about Jesus. And they're like, you crazy people are all up. You know, it was the criminals and, and the Christians that, that were going into these towns that were sick. One for looting and one for righteousness. 
like, gosh, sometimes that kind of feels like where we are now. Um, <clears throat> but there's hope, and you are a hope dealer. And so as you look at 2022, what hope are you bringing? Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.